0: Good evening. Welcome to Hope Community Church, uh, Lower Town. Glad you're able to make it here. Um, I know it is hot in here, so if you feel uh, hot, um, there is some colder water um, <laughs> straight out of the tap. Uh, if you need it, uh, feel free to just get that when you whenever you need it. Um, I forgot to grab the fans. I have last year. I got these hokey church fans, and then I people actually started using them because uh, it, it does get really hot in here. So. Um, Next next week, I think we might need to bust those out. Um, anyways, if you're uh, visiting, thank you for coming and checking us out. Glad you're able to make it here, and um, just want to give a special welcome to you. And if you have questions about Hope Community Church and what we're about and why we're here in this neighborhood, love to love to answer that. Um, I, do, um, I do. I have a couple of announcements I want to wake for for us for our, for the family. Uh, I know that you know our, our we kind of you know go way down in the summer. Everyone likes to travel, and, and, and I do too, and, and that kind of thing. But um, we're actually going to be making some pretty, pretty big changes. Uh, they're going to be coming up here in the next couple of months, actually. And so I want you to be aware of that. So if you're visiting, I apologize, just, just, some, just, some, just some fam talk. Um, yesterday, we actually had the opportunity to, there's about 20 or so of us, um, we got to just clean this place, uh, which was, uh, it was, it was just fun to be able to, it actually was fun. Uh, to do that. Um, and uh, we had a good time just hanging out, building community, cleaning. Uh, we rent this space. We don't own it. And so uh, we're the fourth church that uses this space. And so when we come in, it, it's usually, you know, not looking the greatest and the bathrooms are kind of a mess. And so we just did some some deep cleaning, um, you know. And so men, if you use the restroom, you notice that you are able to dry your hands tonight, which is fantastic, uh, right? Uh, so that was, that was good. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah that deserves an applause. And just just some little things they're able to do and and sit on a toilet seat that doesn't, you know, that you can trust, right? That's always a perk too. Um, Anyways, so Amble, I'm glad we're able to do that. And we just spent some time just uh, singing and praying. And and, uh, and I just kind of was talking about just kind of where we're heading and and why we're doing some changes and what we're doing. And one big thing is that we're going to be kind of, I don't know if you want to call it, not building, but putting together kind of a welcome center. Um, back this way and just kind of a hangout space and, and that kind of thing that uh, we can uh, point people to to answer any questions that we might have. But um, uh, a, a catalyst for all of this really is that in, in sometime in August, and this is not set in stone, um, that we're going to be making some changes. And I know that, that what I'm about to say may, might actually hurt some of you. And so I don't, I don't mean this to be hurtful or hard or sorrowful. Um, we're glad that we've been able to, to be convenient, if you will, to be a Sunday evening service. But hopefully sometime in August, uh, we're actually going to be switching to a morning uh, slot here at this building. So we will actually be the first service in the morning rather than the last service. And so the other three churches are just kind of bumping backwards a little bit. Um, and so we are going to be starting our service at quarter to nine um, which isn't that early. As a matter of fact, downtown uh, Minneapolis, they're going to be doing the exact same thing um, in September, I believe. And so um, uh, anyway, so uh, that's that's what we're going to be doing. And so I know there are some of you in this room that can only come to church on Sunday nights. I know that. And I'd love to talk with you about that if, if that's the case and and uh, hopefully maybe point you. To. I know I, there's, a, there's literally a church down the street. Uh, Jordan Monson's the pastor, his name uh, great guy. I uh, trust him with my, well, I don't mean with my life, but I trust him with, with my flock. Um, maybe that's a better way to say it. Um, and so anyways, I could love to talk to you about that if if that's a thing. And so uh, the uh, catalyst reason for that, again, we've been renting this space for a couple years. When I first met Pastor Bill, uh, the, the pastor here at First Baptist, he said he would allow us to meet here every other Saturday night. And I was like, thanks, but it's not what we're looking for and uh, as time went on and our relationship kept building, he said, how about Sunday nights? And so uh, even every other week, and then eventually it turned into every week, and so here we are. Um, and now is just their church is, has changed and declined. Um, they're just an older congregation, and just as, for as many weddings as I'm doing, unfortunately he's doing funerals. And, and uh, so just kind of looking at what are some shifts that they can make to have uh, an English-speaking service, because they have a Korean and then a Burmese service that are, that are thriving uh, they're doing really well in this community, and so very thankful for that, um, but just having another uh, younger uh, English service in the morning to add some life to that, and so um, really excited about that, and, and here's, a, here's a big thing too, Hope, we're going to start at 8.45 sharp. Okay, I mean that because we get, we get kicked out of here at 10 o'clock, all right? So I, I've been working on, you know, shrinking my sermons down here, you know, to be able to, you know, get ready and get used to this. And so we're, we're 845, okay, that's when we're starting. Quarter to nine sounds a little better, right? Quarter, quarter to nine is when we're starting, all right? Um, so anyways, that we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get closer to that. And I don't have an exact date. I meet with a committee uh, with a couple other people um, on June 10th. And so you can be in prayer about that. Um, hopefully that uh, that will be able to get a specific date of when that will happen, and it may not happen. We might go into that meeting, and we might just be praying, and the Holy Spirit might move and just say that maybe this isn't the best idea right now, um, and that that's a very that's a possibility. Um, uh, so, anyways, that's that's what happened. And so again, if you have any questions about that, feel free to talk to me. Um, this is not something we've done lightly. This is something that me and a lot of other people and pastors, even downtown, that we've spent a lot of time talking and praying about. Is this even something that we should do? Um, but just culturally, um, in our society, when people look for a church, they look Sunday morning, and so I uh, just want to be able to, to to look at that. So, okay, that's enough about that. Let's move on. This is uh, week 19, believe it or not, of First Peter, and so we are going to just jump right into this. Um, Nolan, uh, we already read the passage, and so there's no need to. Uh, I'm not going to reread the entire pa- the entire past three verses, but um, we're just going to jump right into this. This week's message is about humility and anxiety, and, um, uh, which they don't seem like they go hand in hand, but um, it's, it's in the passage, and so that's what we're going to be talking about. He starts off with using this word similarly or in the same way. Okay, well, what, what is in the same way? Well, last week, uh, Pastor Drew uh, was here uh, stepping in for me. I was down at my, my ma's in uh, central Illinois. I had a lot of fun every morning. You know, my son just, gator, cows, farm. Papa, all right, let's go. Man, I I feel, I, my father-in-law has never done this, but he asked me for gas money for his gator because we were on that thing constantly. Um, so anyways, I don't know why I even brought that up. Oh yeah, Drew, Pastor Drew spoke on this passage last week. Okay, And and I'm, it was kind of good that I wasn't here because it's all about elders and your pastor. And so it was like, okay, cool. He can just say what he needs to say and, and feel free to, you know, you guys can think what you want to think about me and I'm not even in, in the room, right? So it's great. Okay, this is the passage. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, right? And this is the in the same way now all church that we are to be willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording, uh, and, and specifically me and, and, and the authority that I've been given uh, by you as, as a Baptist pastor, uh, not lording it over you, those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Right? These, these verses will keep a pastor up at night. Right? Is, is this how I lead? Is this how I, how I even teach? Is this how I conduct myself in front of you? But now he's saying, now all of us in the same way, and then he specifically handles the younger, right? So in the same way, those who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, Greek is, is kind of an interesting language, and I'm not going to like nerd out on you here, but, but when it says um, the word elder there, is a Greek word that can mean a a variety of different things. And it's really why in our culture, why we have elders and pastors and bishops and all these different, right? It's the same exact word in the Greek. It's just, we just translate it differently sometimes. All right, so elder doesn't necessarily mean someone who's old. Okay, that's not what it means. And it's the same thing here with the word younger. Younger doesn't actually mean someone who's young. They had words for that, an old person or a younger person. That's not what Peter does here, and it's not what any of any, uh, the Apostle Paul, he doesn't, it doesn't say this either. It's the same word. Basically, what it's saying is that the elder is one who is mature in faith, right? who's been uh, appointed to lead this co- local congregation, and the younger could be someone who's very old, uh, but is somebody who's saying, I'm going to submit under this mature uh, uh, leader that has uh, been elected or been appointed among us, Uh, in this congregation. And so younger doesn't necessarily mean young in age, um, and and elder doesn't necessarily mean old in age. All right, so in other words, he's saying in the same way, everybody else, the rest of us, if if we're in this congregation, that we submit ourselves to our elders. On Friday, the last Friday of every month, um, we have a, a men's breakfast, and we get together, and we were just talking about um, what it is like, what it, what it means to, to be a good member of a church. What does that look like? And, and I'm a member of a church. I'm a member of this church. Um, and so we were talking about what does this look like? And, and sometimes this word of like just submit, like you just need to obey, right? Of, of, of like, this is what I'm doing. This, this is what we're, how we're going to do it. Um, but I love the fact that we have uh, multiple elders, multiple pastors shared with downtown that I'm not just making some decisions willy-nilly, that even the decision to move to the morning, this isn't just some flippant thing. Like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, I'm in charge, so that's what happens. It's not not how that works. Um, And so we submit ourselves to your elders. And then he goes on and he says, then all of you, so myself included, all of us, the entire church, he says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another clothe yourselves with humility, right? I mean, if you were, you, you literally wear humility, right? T- take off your clothes and, it's, and you should be able to see humility. And, I, and I, when I was thinking, when I was writing this sermon, I was thinking about this. Uh, all I could think about was the emperor's new clothes. Remember, do you remember this really awkward child storybook, um, right? But, but in the story, what happens is, is uh, the emperor, and I forget what it, what it is exactly, but uh, he has someone that wants to make him a new costume, And and then as he he comes out, the guy says, the guy who made the costume, he says, the only people who can see this are people who are really wise, I think, is maybe, maybe it's a different adjective or something, but it's really wise, right? Well, there's nothing there. There's no robe. There's no clothes. Well, the king, who's too proud, he's not clothed in humility, doesn't have the, the gumption to say, well, I'm just naked, because that would mean he's not wise, so then he goes and he keeps, he walks around town naked, right? And keeps walking up to people. Hey, look at me. I guess only wise people can see this robe. And he's doing this whole parade. And finally, some little kids like, hey, hey, Mike, he doesn't have any clothes on, <laughs> right? And then, and then they, and I, I don't know why he sounded like that, but he did in my mind. Um, and so, but this is what this is how we need to look. This is how we need to be clothed with humility. How do, how do we do this, right? And I think that the, one of the easiest ways to do this is ask somebody who's close to you. Just ask somebody, and not like, hey, tell me how humble I am. That's I don't think that's I don't think that's what that means, right? But just hey, are there any ways that you see that I struggle with pride? Is there anything that I, I could work on to be more humble in, spe- in maybe specific areas, right? Maybe we're we're really humble and we're we're good at that with certain things, but maybe there's other things that we just really struggle with but it's a blind spot, and we don't even see it. That's why it's called a blind spot, right? We, we have to have people point things out to us that we just don't even realize it's there. And the only way that most likely is if we ask, right? If you know somebody, right, and, and you're in a small group like Natty was talking about, and accountability, it's okay to call people out on these things, right? Hey, you're naked, <laughs> right? <laughs> Talk about it, Right? <laughs> ask. Another thing, though, too, is this isn't about false humility. Right? I think that's another form of pride, is this idea of, is, is woe is me, like, nope, I'm not good at anything. I don't, that's, no, that's not true, right? We've already talked about this. You're, you're made in the image of God. If you're in Christ, you have a gift of the Holy Spirit, period, right? You, you, you're, you're amazing, okay? So, so let's get off of that, right? And maybe we struggle with things, and I'm not good at things, sure, right? I'm not good at Baseball, I'm terrible at baseball. That's not me being false, humbly. Just truth. All right, why do we do this? Well, he says, because, and here he's quoting uh, Proverbs chapter 3 or 4. He's quoting the the book of Proverbs, uh, verse in Proverbs. He says, because God opposes the proud... It shows favor to the humble. And this is quoted a few times within scripture, right? It's just this proverb saying, God, God, anytime somebody's just right, even Jesus even talks about this. He, he shares the parable when he says, right, don't don't be like the the this this individual who's who's just uh, he's he's religious and he says, God, I thank you, I'm not like that sinner over there. Right, God, I thank you. I don't act like that, right? God, God opposes that individual. A person who says, Man, I'm gonna build bigger barns and I'm gonna fill them. He opposes it. He says, no, no, I'm, I'm going to ask you of all your things today, right? Who, who do you think that you are? Then he shows favor to the humble, the individual who can't even lift up his head toward heaven, but beats his chest in humility and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He shows favor to the humble. Every time I read this verse or I read uh, the verse of um, a pride cometh before a fall, it's another uh, proverb, um, I think at this time when I was in, in between uh, high school and college. And uh, I, I went to this camp. And uh, no, no, no. It was between my junior and senior year. Not that it matters, but it was in between my junior and senior year. And I went to this camp. It was called the Wilds. Uh, crazy, except it was a super conservative <laughs> camp. And um, it was in the Wilds, I guess. It was in the, the Appalachian Mountains out in North Carolina. And they had this place called the Fourth Falls. And, and you had to just hike forever to get back there to see, like, okay, it's nice, but it wasn't worth the hike, you know, kind of a falls. Um, and, and so we'd get out there. Well, my junior year, uh, when I was at this camp, they, they did this thing where all of the, the um, counselors, the men counselors, jumped up out of the woods and camouflage. And they're like, we need all the, all the men to come with us. And I'm not getting political here. This was just the time it was and, and what happened. He's, he's, they, they were like, uh, President Bush said that Saddam Hussein is hiding in these mountains, and you got to find him, right? And so that was, that was what we had to do. And it was really stupid, right? Um, I know that President Bush did not ask a bunch of juniors in high school to go find Saddam in the uh, mountains of, of North Carolina. And so it, I, didn't, I didn't buy into it. Right? So they're yelling at us, telling us to do push-ups, telling, you know, getting in our faces, screaming at us like it was boot camp, and I and I couldn't stop laughing at the whole situation because it was so ridiculous. Well, they didn't like the fact that I thought they were funny, um, and so they were, you know, they weren't were beating me up, but it, uh, you know, I, I, you know, well, <laughs> it was borderline. And so, but I'm getting I'm getting dunked in this river. I mean, bad, 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 dunked in this river um, by these, you know, big college students, and I ha- and I was completely powerless. And I couldn't, I could not get air. And, and, I, and I was so mad at this guy that was doing it uh, because the whole situation was stupid. And he's holding me under the water. And I, I honestly, I honestly was like, I'm done. Like this, this is it. Like I'm going to die. And to the point where I was like, you know what? I hope this punk kills me. And that way he's got to go the rest of his life knowing he dunked somebody for not killing Saddam Hussein in North Carolina, right? I mean, I was like, I was done. I was done with this right? So he said, <laughs> Chaz, I just crossed the line there. Sorry, everybody, if I did. Uh, all right. I, I was just done with the whole situation. And, and he finally brings me up for air. I probably just went limp. And he finally brings me up for air. And he's yelling at me. And he screams the verse, pride cometh before. And before he could say the word fall, he literally slips on the rocks and just slams his tailbone right onto this rock. And I was just vindication, <laughs> right? I was so, so glad, right? That's, listen, like that, that is how the verse, where i just, I'm giving up. I'm gonna be as humble as I possibly can, take my life, and you're gonna go down, all right? That doesn't always happen that way, but God opposes the problem. He does, right? In those situations where somebody's just filled with arrogance, God just says, you, you want that, right? I, you, you want that, I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. And uh, that's what happens. Okay, let's move on. We're going to get an imperative, a command. And and Peter doesn't use a lot of commands. We have a lot of verbs, but not like you you need to do this thing. Uh, There's actually three imperatives. Two of them will come next week, but we're going to start with this first imperative um, that's in this verse here. And he says this. He says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. I think a lot of time when we think of humility, right? We just talked about being clothed in humility. What, what does humility mean? And, and I always think of this quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, right? That's that false humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, right? I, I, I love that. Or this isn't, it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. And especially as a Christian, as a believer, it's usually what it should be is, how can I help others? How can I listen to your story? How can I work with you? How can we come alongside of each other? How can we bear one another's burdens? It's not about me, and it shouldn't be about me, except that's not really what Peter's getting after here in this verb of be humble, humble yourself, right? What he's saying here is that you are going to be humbled. You will be humiliated. Humble yourself. Be humbled. Be humiliated. Why is he saying that? In a culture, and I think it's probably still true today, where power, money, confidence, right, looks down on people. If I don't ever have to humble myself, if I don't ever have to say, well, how about whatever you want, boss, or, or whatever, right? That, that, that's a good thing, right? That person's lifted up, they're in charge, right? They're, they're powerful. And he's saying, even in those situations, like, humble yourself. And so when we are being humiliated by somebody that's telling us to do something, to live a certain way, or, or specifically because of our relationship with Christ, that's really what Peter's getting at here, is that when we get passed up for a job, uh, when we uh, are commanded to do something that, that we would just, we want to just, what? I can't believe you want me to humble yourself. I can't, I can't do that. I can't cheat. I can't lie. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, and you're going to get mocked. You're going to get made fun of. You're going to get passed up for a promotion, whatever it may be. Your professor's not going to like you. All these different things. You're saying, Be humbled. And we could go back just a couple verses up, up in, in 1 Peter and say, instead of right, repaying evil, that's what we always want to do, right? Someone humiliates me as an American, right? Oh, that's not, you, you can't say that to me. I got, I've got rights. Well, I'm a kingdom of God. I'm a, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, first and foremost. And what God has commanded is that we will be humiliated. We will be humbled, because in that society, the only people who were humiliated and thought less of and talked down of are the people who weren't Romans, right? Slaves in that society, sinners, prostitutes, people with disabilities, whatever. Like they're, You tell them what to do. And what Peter's saying is, no, we need to humble ourselves. And then what can we do to honor them? What can we do to pray for them, to win them to Christ? That's what, that's what Peter's talking about here. So here he's saying that you will be humiliated. This be humble is caused by others. So he says, in due time, I love this, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. We talked this a couple weeks ago, that this humbling seems to be a really negative thing, but looking at what is God, and how is he sovereign over everything, and and how is he controlled, even when something seems bad or dark or evil, how does this work? Right, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. You can go, go online and listen to it. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but that God sovereignly oversees things and that human beings have choices and they can directly disobey what God says and they can cause harm to somebody. All right, so, so be humbled when somebody mocks, somebody disagrees, you get passed up for something for, for whatever reason, and it's all under God's mighty hand. Why? That he may lift you up in due time. He's, he's going to lift you up. He's going to right all the wrongs. This is Peter's theme. And I don't even pick out all the verses, but he says this over and over and over in 1 Peter. Going back to chapter 1, he says all these things about looking looking forward to the future glory and praise that's going to happen, the honor and the resurrection and the new life that is in Christ. He says in verse 3 of chapter 1, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth." into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That now, in this frail, decaying body, I have this hope. Why? Because of Jesus Christ rising from the dead and into an inheritance future that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Skipping down to verse seven, these have come. So, the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed that you're going to suffer, but it's going to end. When Jesus Christ is revealed, Uh, chapter 1, verse 13, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Verse 21, "Uh, through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Chapter 3, 21, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Chapter four, verse 13, but rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And chapter five, verse four, And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of, crown of glory that will never fade away. There's, there's this future hope that never ends and never ceases, but we can't see that. And I love, I love what Peter says in chapter 1. Even though you, you can't see and you haven't seen, you believe. And so we, we look forward to these things. And what I love about all these verses that I just read, I think this is such a powerful section to talk about doubt. When doubt creeps in, is, is Jesus really coming back? I mean, did he really rise from the dead? Is it worth being humiliated in this society because of what I believe. What Peter's saying here is hold on. Hold fast, look to this future glory that will never fade. That's what we can hold on to is this future hope that will be given to us in due time as we will be lifted up. Finally, he then talks about anxiety. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There's a couple different ways of looking at anxiety. And as I was looking at this, uh, at first, just I, I immediately went to like an anxiety attack or somebody who is, who is um, uh, diagnosed, right, that, had that, that struggles with a, a real thing of anxiety and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and you know, just honestly, when I was growing up, I didn't I didn't believe in anxiety, right? Because it wasn't a thing I struggled with. I didn't. I, my sister um, to this day struggles with anxiety attacks, these these really intense panic attacks, um, right? And I would like preach at her, right? Just just pray it away, right? No, that's that's bad, right? Because these are real things, and I didn't think it was real until I had one, and I didn't know what was going on, and I mean, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could not breathe, and I literally drove myself to the ER. Freaking out. They give me an MRI. They thought, well, maybe you got a blood clot. Well, now I really can't breathe, right? And then the doctor just hands me some Xanax. He's like, chill out, bro, you're fine, right? I'm like, what? And then I just, it's a real thing, right? It's it physically affected me, right? So that's a, that's a real thing. That's not what Peter's talking about here, right? How, how do we know that? Well, because he just said, all of you, you will be humiliated. You will be humbled. And when that happens, be as a result of being a christian this anxiety that you get these doubts that arise whether external or even internal of is this real cast them back on him because he cares for you cast it back give it back just say god i believe you got to help my unbelief it's one of the best prayers of the bible I believe, but man, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing right now. I don't understand why you would allow this evil thing to happen to me. Let's cast our anxiety, let's cast our cares on Him because He cares for you. And He knows. He sees, He hears, He knows. He knows what it's like to take on flesh, to suffer for your sins, and to die for you. He knows. If you say Jesus didn't struggle with that anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, we, then we've missed it. It wasn't easy. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this is really important. Why? Because our casting our anxiety saying, no, Jesus is the hope of the world back on him. If we allow that anxiety, we allow these fears, if we allow the humiliation to keep piling up and finally just say, I can't take it anymore. Well, Jesus warned us about that. The parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 is just the a story that Jesus is telling about uh, that a, a farmer is going he's casting seed everywhere and it falls on four different types of grounds, but one of them here, he says, still others like seed sown on thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the anxieties, right? The, the deceitfulness of wealth. Hey, you might get, you're gonna pass passed up on this job if you don't. And the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. That when the world humiliates you, that when they say, hey, this is all fake, this is garbage, you need to just forget about all this. This is a gospel issue, Jesus is saying. That we need to, again, cast our anxiety and our worries and our cares on him and turn to him who is faithful and just and good. So in closing, I just have three simple gospel application questions. One is this. Are you known as someone who is clothed with humility. Are you known as that? I don't I don't I don't think I am. This is something I, I need to I need to work on, I need to be cognizant of this. Uh, my wife's not here, so I gotta remind her right of that. Are you known as somebody who's clothed with humility? What are some steps that you can take? Is it opening up to somebody? I right, Just telling them, man, I, I struggle with this. When we are humbled, right, when we're humiliated, do we respond? with humility, or do we respond with anger, retaliation, whatever it may be? Or do we pray? Do we care? Do we seek the welfare of those who seek to do us harm? That's hard. It's really hard. And finally, cast all your cares on Jesus. Jesus knows It's one of the most beautiful things about the entire story of the Bible is the God of the universe who could have just abandoned every single human being said, no, I care enough about them that I'm actually going to take on flesh for all of eternity and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die on a cross in a cruel way so that your sins can be forgiven because it has to be my blood. It has to be God's blood. And so when we're struggling, when we're worried, when we have anxiety, we cast our cares on him. We have something a uh, little, little different tonight. We're going to have communion like we always do. But tonight, um, as, as, a, as a Baptist, this just makes my heart really excited. We're actually going to have a baptism, um, which is really, really fun. Um, and so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what we're going to do is we're going to have communion like we normally do. And and, and this, is, this is what's cool. What I said the Baptist thing. Um, uh, of saying that we get to do both of these ordinances at the same time, right? It's, it's just a fun thing. we are going to be singing and worshiping, and, and we're going to be taking these elements, and, and then someone's going to get dunked underwater to say, I, want to f- I, f- I believe in Jesus for eternal life, and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life to the best of my ability with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to ask him those questions, and I'm going to dunk the guy, right? And he's going to be buried into the likeness of Jesus' death, and we're going to, he's going to be raised to life in Christ, right? It just this outward example, this outward example of this inward reality that he's already in Christ. Now he's just saying to all of you, to the church, to his bride, right? To say, no, listen, this is who I am in Christ. And after here, he comes out of the water. Let's just welcome him, right? This is such a beautiful example of what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago that his body didn't stay on the cross, his blood just didn't drain into the dirt, as we remember the sacrificial meal together of how Christ died for our sins, and the wrath of God was poured out on him, and his righteousness was then given to us. But then he doesn't stay in the grave, and we're going to get to symbolize that of this death of Jesus, and then him coming back to life all together tonight, and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So will you bow your heads and will you pray and will you sing and will you partake of this sacrificial meal of Jesus with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this passage tonight. I thank you for just the the practicality of some of the things of just being clothed in humility. And what are some practical ways? What are some steps? And and spirit, would you please just move? Would Would you convict all of us of just certain ways where we just are just arrogant, where we're just prideful? We don't want to be opposed by God. So would you help us with that? Would you guide and direct? God, would you help those of us who struggle with doubt, struggle with fear, struggle with anxiety, that we would cast those cares, cast those fears, cast that anxiety on Jesus because he knows, he sees, he feels, he cares. Oh, so God, would we give him back the glory that's due his name, the glory that he deserves and the fame and honor and power and glory forever and ever and ever because of what he did for us thousands of years ago, absorbing your wrath for our sin and raising from the dead so that we can have eternal life and so that will give us new hope, give us hope for this future, then you will lift us up in due time. And it's in Jesus' most precious name that we pray. Amen.